With all that's going on in the world, there's so much talk about when Jesus will return, because most of us feel like it's any time, according to Bible scripture. This next message is with Joe Morris. He's visiting Cornerstone Fellowship Church, and the message is called, The Return of Jesus. Go to Matthew 24. This is Jesus is going to answer a question for him. Now, you've got to remember in the Gospels, it's all about the second coming. Uh, the rapture doctrine comes when you get into the epistles. So be careful when you get into end time preaching in the Gospels. You'll kind of feel like you don't qualify because you don't. Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. You've got to realize he's mainly talking to Jewish boys here that are not saved. So he's going to say some things to get them ready for the second coming. But they're going to ask him some questions. And he answers a little different than what he would answer to the church. So watch what he says in Matthew 24. It'll kind of give us an example of what's been happening this last year. Chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. The disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Because this is pretty amazing. That temple mount where, where the Lord's address will be for eternity. It's pretty ominous. It's pretty bold right there. So they're, they're there and Jesus said, See not all these things I say unto you. There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Hey, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Or technically, it's the end of the age, because the world's never coming to an end. The world's going to be altered, it's going to be renovated, but the world's going to be here for eternity. So he says here, Jesus said, hey, did you notice he didn't get mad at him. They asked him, hey, when's this going to happen? And he, he tells them a different answer than what I would think. He goes, hey, uh, take heed that no man deceive you, so don't be deceived. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. And watch what he says in verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, if you have in your Bible there, Mark in verse 9, from verse 9 to verse 22, is what we call the tribulation period. Okay, So just before the trib, he gives you the environment. He says here in verse 8, All these are the beginning of sorrows. We don't use that word sorrows. Now, that's the word birth pains. We would say the word contractions. Okay, So basically, Jesus said just before the tribulation period, there's going to be some things on the earth that are just like a woman going into labor. How many of you ladies, when you went into labor, it got so severe that you didn't ignore it? <laughs> I mean, even if you said, you know, I think I'm bailing on this deal. No, the baby's coming whether you're ready for it or not. So the contractions get severer and stronger and stronger to the point that you go, we better get to the hospital. Something's coming. So even as hard as they are on you, you're, you're, you're rejoicing over what's coming. You don't go, oh, these are contractions. These are contractions. No, you go, wow, these are contractions. Why? The baby's coming. So Jesus was trying to tell them just before the coming of the king, there would be something happening in the earth, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes, that would be just like a woman going into labor so that no one could really brush this off. But what your focus should be on is not the contractions, it's on what's coming next. The kingdom is about to be born in the earth. Come on, we have a kingdom that's coming. So as severe as the contractions have been this last year, uh, that's not a big deal. What's coming is Jesus of Nazareth is coming back to the planet. And man, everything is set up for it. So what we'll get into this morning is how easy it is to tell how close we are. Why do we do that? Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, coming of the Lord 52 times. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. So there's all this documentation. So we go, I have no idea when the Lord's coming. No, there's all this documentation so we can tell what it's going to look like. Why? So you will have a heads up. 
That's what Jesus said. When you see these things, lift up your heads, indicating you could be downtrodden when all this stuff is happening when He wants you excited. He loves you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you happy. He wants you in position. He wants you finishing your course. He wants you blowing it out right here before the Lord comes. Not, not weakly walking with God, but, but with a strength from heaven, a boldness from heaven, an utterance from heaven, a thought pattern from heaven, to where you're, you're thinking heavenly minded. I hear people go, well, if you get too heavenly minded, you'll be no earthly good. I've never met anybody too heavenly minded. Well, there should be a great excitement about the coming of the Lord. And I compare it to, and I've done it every time, when Colleen and I got married, I'm standing there, you know, and she comes walking down the aisle with that beautiful dress on. It's so exciting, you know. And wouldn't it have been a bummer if I'm standing there and Colleen's walking down the aisle like this? Oh, my God, here we go. She's walking down like this, another one bites the dust. I'm about to marry that guy. That's a picture of the church. Can you imagine the church not be excited right now? Come on. I mean, we, we should be so excited right now that it's hard to even focus. Because we're about to see the king. You know people right before you're getting married, you get so caught up in everything, you details get what you don't even think about, it. you get married. Come on, Jesus is coming. So we see this last year as kind of fulfillment of contractions, labor, yet earthquakes. We were talking about an earthquake last week in California. Uh, guess where the number one location for earthquakes are in the world? Oklahoma. You would think the Ring of Fire, you would think Iceland. A few six months ago, Iceland had thirty three thousand earthquakes in one week. So there's an, because the earth's getting, got pressure on it, is getting ready for the entrance of the king. So all this stuff is happening. Why? So Jesus can present himself to his brethren just like Joseph did at the very end, because Jesus is about to come back. Okay, grab your Bibles, buzz over to Isaiah, go to Isaiah 46, and we'll look at another reason why we get into end time preaching. Because you know, you hear people go, why would you want to get into that? Well, uh, there's something about knowing how close you are, you make changes. Okay, if you're in a football game and it comes to the two-minute warning, and once you get down from the two-minute warning, all of a sudden the play clock's right there, tell a quarterback to not look at the play clock. No, the play clock is so important because he has to hustle. He has to have a sense of urgency. Can you imagine the quarterback getting there looking at the play clock? It's just winding down. He's going, hut, one, forty-two, seventy-eight, Omaha. No, you, you, you want him to, to snap the ball. It freaks me out when the quarterback's not watching the play clock. I'm like, hello, time's running out. Man, you can feel heaven talking to the church. Hello, time's running out. Because you know people that are caught up in their life right now. Well, I'm just doing my own thing, whatever. Yeah, really? The entrance of the king is at hand. So watch this in Isaiah that gets us ready for this. Isaiah chapter 46. You know the verses so well, but it'll bless you. Isaiah 46, look at verse 9. He says in verse 9, Remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So th- let me give you my translation of that. He goes, Okay, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. It brings complete authenticity to the Bible. That's why Satan hates prophecy. Why? Because he said, Okay, uh, I'm going to show you what's going to happen before it happens. Only a God can do that. Come on, you can talk to a Buddhist, you can talk to a Muslim, you can talk to any other religion. Their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. Ezekiel prophesied the year Israel be made a nation. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come came exactly to the year. All the prophecies about the first coming of the Lord, it was prophesied that he'd be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. They, they, they would give him away for 35 pieces of silver. They'd gamble over his robe. He'd come into Jerusalem on a donkey. He wouldn't open his mouth. 
They'd pierce him in his side. He'd wear a crown of thorns. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he's on the cross. You know what the odds are of all those prophecies coming to pass in one generation? This is just mad. It's 480 trillion times a billion times another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, after so many zeros, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance. I was witnessing to a Navy SEAL one time on an airplane, and I was telling him all that because he wasn't, wasn't a believer. I said, well, let me give you some math to deal with. He goes, well, they all read those and brought them to pass. I said, <laughs> I said you mean an eclipse while Jesus was on the cross? You can't pull that off. <laughs> let me know when you get that figured out, okay? No, only a God can do that. Come on. So see, if you don't want to believe, you don't want to believe. But I'm telling you what, the Lord's trying everything He can to get everybody's attention. There's so much happening all over the earth to wake people up. And that's what the whole tribulation is for. We're not going to be here for the tribulation. We'll be raptured. But the tribulation is signs and wonders and miracles and in your face to get people that are hard-hearted to go, wow, something's up because Jesus is just about to come back. Let me read this to you. This will show you how perfect the Bible is. Listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible and watch how cool this is. It shows you the whole plan of God. I know this is a lot of info, but just run with me mentally before we get to all the signs. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. You get the entire plan of God with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Because he said, I'm God. I can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. I mean, you had the History Channel. Uh, you had Bishop Malachy showed a, a documentary on Bishop Malachy in the Catholic Church, a Catholic bishop that had a vision and saw every pope in their coat of arms all the way up to the coming of the Lord. 114 out of 114. Because the coat of arms for each pope was very detailed. Like, you know, when you see a crest in Ireland or Scotland, all the stuff that's on the crest, that's what the popes would wear. And this guy got it right 114 out of 114. You know what the History Channel said? That's statistically impossible. Only a God can do that. Guess what pope we have right now? 114. Then in baseball, you bat 3 out of 10, you can make a pretty good living. This guy bat 114 out of 114. Why? The Lord's about to come back. Why, the Lord's about to come back. The Lord's about to come back. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord God Almighty is about to come back. Come on, He came in humility. They beat Him, they mocked Him, they spit upon Him. But this time He's coming back in glory. Every, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on, you talk about humility, you talk about giving His life for, for all, but all this time He's coming back to set up His kingdom. Come on, He'll reign forever. Gabriel told Mary, you'll have a son, you'll call his name Jesus. He'll rule over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There'll be no end. Come on. You're watching the setup for it right now. So we in the church have to be a voice, have to be a witness, have to have an utterance about our life. There should be a heavenly utterance about your life. There should be a thread that Jesus is alive, Jesus rose from the dead, and he's coming back. And how crazy to be the generation that he's coming back. So grab your Bibles and let's go look at this. But let's do it. Go to Luke 21 and let's get into how we can tell how close we are. Jesus is going to give us some facts here that make it super, super easy to see where we are. Because I hear people go, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, actually, you can if you can read. 
I mean, think about if you're on, uh, what's the freeway going from Richmond to uh, somewhere? Maybe Washington, D.C., I don't know. 6495. How, how many miles is it to D.C. from here? 200 something? Okay, if you're on your way to Washington, D.C., 200 something miles. Next sign says 180. Next sign says 150. Next sign says 110. Next sign says 60. You don't go, I'm never going to make it to D.C. No, the signs tell you that you're headed toward D.C. Jesus is going to show us some stuff here that shows you you're heading toward something. You're heading toward the entrance of the king. It's super easy to get. So grab your Bibles there and look at Luke 21. Look over at verse 24. Jesus says here, and they'll fall by the edge of the sword. This is Luke 21, verse 24. It's super, super clear here. He said, he said, they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So Jesus ties everything to Jerusalem. He said, when you see the Jews get control of Jerusalem again, time's pretty much up. When did that happen? 1967. Okay, Everything revolves around Jerusalem. Remember the Bible said Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. If you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything goes back to that piece of real estate. The devil's so stupid. In the old city, he put a mosque everywhere Jesus did something cool. There's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where he was beaten. There's a mosque right there. That's where the Mount of Ascension is. The devil thought he could put a mosque everywhere the Lord did something amazing. All it did was give you a tour guide. You don't even have to have anybody tell you. Something cool must have happened right there. That's right. That's where Jesus did this. That's where Jesus did this. Because Lucifer wants that spot. But he's not going to have it. The king's going to reign forevermore. So here we see Jesus tying timing to Jerusalem, 1967, the Six-Day War. What happened? Remember, Egypt was coming down against Israel, 88 tanks coming down against Israel. One Israeli cook said, you know what? If I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a bang. This cook climbs into a tank, figures out how to load the torrent, the shells into the torrent, starts firing shells at 88 tanks. One Israeli tank... 88 Egyptian tanks. He starts firing shells at them. Next thing you know, the Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. And that Israeli cook said, highest ranking officer, it's just me. And the Egyptian commander said, no, it's not just you. The whole night, the countryside was filled with tanks, with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. It's called a miracle. Okay, so what happened was they surrendered to one tank. I was in Israel a few years ago. The Saudi Arabian newspaper came out and said, we still don't understand how Israel won the Six-Day War. And they attributed it to those men dressed in white on the front of the tanks. They were called angels. You can Google it today. It's called Against All Odds. You can see the interview of that guy I'm talking about right now. And this is what he says. He goes, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. Even after the fact, it's hard for them to believe it's so amazing. Because Jerusalem was won back right there in 67. So that's pretty cool. That's amazing. So watch Jesus get even clearer. Look at verse 29. Watch what he says in verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. And all the trees. That's the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. He says, likewise, when you see these things come to pass, what things? Israel made a nation. And Jerusalem being one back. When you see these things come to pass, no. Circle the word no there in your Bible. So he's saying this to us so that we can know something. Not wonder, not sense, not perceive. He said, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God, what, is nigh at hand. 
And then the next verse is the ticker. Are you ready for verse 32? Verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The one that sees these things. Israel made a nation and Jerusalem won back. He said, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. Now this is amazing. He basically goes, the group of people that sees those two events won't pass away till all is fulfilled. I hear people go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Tag, you're it, buddy. Come on. It's like he said, the group that sees this, you're it. So 1948, Israel's regathered. 1967, Jerusalem's won back. He said, the group that sees that, you're it. He said, you could see it and you could know it. So you could see it and you could know it. What that brings is boldness. You don't go, I didn't see that. didn't see a thing. No, you can see it and you can know it. Now, Brother Hagin talked about it, prophesied about a spirit, an attitude of seeing and knowing just before the coming of the Lord. Where'd that come from? That verse right there. <laughs> How cool is that? So here we're blessed. The Lord's so sweet. He said, likewise, just as bold as you are about how, you know, how many of you know in the wintertime, man, Tulsa, Oklahoma, it gets brown. The grass turns brown. The trees get dead. There's no greenery anywhere. But come March or April, all of a sudden the trees begin to bud. All of a sudden color comes back in. You got spring coming. It's so beautiful, you know. And it's like, I've never heard somebody go, hey, summer's not coming this year. What? No, the trees are turning. The grass is turning. Nature's preaching to me. There's a temperature change coming. Just as bold as you are about that, when you see Israel regathered and you see Jerusalem on back, likewise, just as bold as you are about that, when you see that happening, buckle up, buddy. The king's coming back. That's why we have excitement. That's why we shout, we rejoice, is we're about to see the king. Oh, my Lord. Now, watch this. Here, you think of Kenneth Hagin. How many, look at the timing of God. Flawless. Think of 1917. I know you know this, but just run with me mentally for a minute. In 1917, that's a pretty popular year. Last year you had movies come out about the year 1917, the Balfour Declaration, all that other stuff, World War I. But you know what happened in 1917 was an Australian general named Allenby flies into Israel in a biplane, and they passed out leaflets before he came in, and it said, Alamy's coming, Alamy's coming. <laughs> they didn't know in Arabic, Alamy meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So when he flew in in a biplane, they thought it was a sign from heaven. And they, so they dropped their guns and, and Israel was turned over to Israel right there. The whole land of Israel, right? They got it right then in 1917. How wonderful is that? All right, let's run through the signs. You ready? But let's go through it. Number one, you got Israel made a nation. Number two, Jerusalem won back. Jesus said the group that sees those two will not pass away to all fulfilled. we got about 50 we can go through. Let's go through about maybe 10 or 15, okay? What's the next sign? The Bible says just before the coming of the Lord, the Hebrew language would be restored. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew in Israel. Why? Because God said He would do that. He'd restore to them a pure language. So in our lifetime, this miracle's come to pass. You can Google it. You can't find people speaking Hittite, Amorite, <laughs> Canaanite, but you can find them speaking Hebrew because God said just before the coming of the Lord, He'd restore that to them. How cool is that? All right, let's look at the next one. So that's amazing. You got, you got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem one back. You got the language restored. After that, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. This is pretty amazing. 18,000 were airlifted in one day. 1992, Israel sent C-130s down into Ethiopia, airlifted 18,000 Ethiopian Jews. Chuck Roberts on headline, on CNN headline news said, an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. The Lord's coming back. Amen. 
And Exodus, that eclipses the book of Exodus, my goodness, they're on the manifest on those airplanes, it said 180 passengers. And when they landed on one of them, there was 187. How? Ladies were having babies on those airplanes. They said, what would he put on their birth certificate? They were born in Egypt, born in Israel, and just put airborne. We don't know where they were born. Come on. What a miracle. What a miracle. I mean, could you imagine being a part of that group that was airlifted? Why? Because God said, just before the coming of the Lord, he'd bring them out. Happen in our lifetime. Pretty cool. All right, after that, now we're talking about tangible physical things you can look at. The next one would be the, the revival of the Roman Empire. What is that? The platform for the Antichrist. Okay, what's that? If you, you go to the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France, it's identical to the Tower of Babel. Google it today. Not similar to the Tower of Babel, identical to the Tower of Babel. Their slogan is, we'll be our own gods. We don't need God. You see the earth getting ready for the entrance of the Antichrist. He's going to have a perfect solution for the Palestinians and the Israelis. And he's going to have a reset for all the nations. So if you want, in other words, if you want to, if you want to have your debt forgiven, use our currency, but you're going to take a mark called the mark of the beast. And man, you, you see the earth set up for this. I'll give you one that I don't normally talk about. We talked about it last night. France's president is called Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel, you know, means God with us. Macron means the mark. He's been quietly going into helping Lebanon restore Lebanon. And uh, he looks like the guy in the Left Behind series that played the Antichrist, too. So I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, but, it, but if he's not, he missed a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> no, the, the Bible says he won't be revealed until we leave. But you know what that guy's heritage is? It's half Assyrian, half Jewish. And the Bible calls the Antichrist the Assyrian. So you see the revival of the Roman Empire in our lifetime. You can look at the markings on the building. They're all from Nebuchadnezzar. You can go out in front of the building and there's a molecule of iron magnified, a piece of art. Why? Because Daniel saw iron and clay. So you see this stuff right in front of our eyes. God said it, came to pass right in front of our eyes. All right, what's the next one? This one's pretty easy. The fertility of the land of Israel. Notice how God did this so it would be obvious to us. Why? You can go to Israel and you can go to the northern part of Israel and look at the border of Syria. No one has to tell you where Syria starts. It's dirt. Zero life. Israel's grass, dark green. I told you the story. I asked my buddy, I go, uh, Ronnie Levy, I said, dude, do you guys sprinkler this grass? Do you use Scott Super Turf Builder? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, to get my grass to look like this grass, I've got to use Scott Super Turf Builder four times a year. And I even called Scott and said, hey, you detuned your fertilizer. It doesn't work as well anymore. And the lady goes, that's right. Because of the environment, we had to detune it. I said, well, I have to use twice as much fertilizer to get my grass to look like Israel's grass when they do nothing to it. God's Word is so powerful, it makes the grass come up dark, green, lush, and thick. Because God said, I'll make Israel blossom in the desert. They don't mess around, man. I was on Mount Carmel one time, looking down over the valley of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. Napoleon stood there on that side. He said, man, this this is a perfect site for a great battle. Didn't even know it's where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. I'm standing here on Mount Carmel. All of a sudden, I heard this, this jet noise spool up. I'm thinking, what in the world's that? Next thing you know, an F-16 comes shooting out of a hole in the ground right there in the, where the Battle of Armageddon's going to be. They don't mess around, man. They're getting ready for World War III, getting ready for the Battle of Armageddon. While we're all doing our thing, Israel's doing their thing right in front of our eyes. We'll get into a lot more of that because, man, there's so much happening that are a setup for what's going to happen just after the rapture of the church. Okay, so the fertility of the land of Israel, pretty amazing. They found oil where the Golan Heights are more than all of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has some oil. 
So you find more oil in one little sliver of land in Israel, more than all of the, uh, the land of Saudi Arabia. That's pretty radical. All right, let's run through a bunch of these because we want to get through them. There's so much to get into. Let's run through them because there's some things I want to get to about Turkey and about, about Iran and about uh, Russia here in a moment. All right, let's look at a couple more. This last year, you had foxes show up on the Temple Mount. That's from Lamentations 5.18. You got fish show up in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel prophesied that. Just before the coming of the Lord, you'd see that. You have the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. All right, pretty, it's pretty amazing. You have 172 different species of predatory birds show up. I'm watching the Animal Planet channel. This Israeli ornithologist, she goes, well, we don't, the ornithologist is a bird specialist. She goes, we don't understand this, but there's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history started showing up in Israel. I'm thinking, what? Well, you know what? Right after the Ezekiel 38 war, which happens just after the rapture, God calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. Seven years later at the Battle of Armageddon, he calls on the fowl of the air to come clean the, the land up. you got the cleanup crew in, in Israel right now. So you got fish in position. you got birds in position. you got foxes in position. What's the church doing? Come on, you you got all these other groups in place. You have the Temple Mount Institute. This is a big one. This one should so preach to us. The Temple Mount Institute is a group of people in the temple, old city of Jerusalem, that their last name is Cohen, means priest. They've been going to school for, for 20 or 30 years to get everything ready for sacrifices. They have all the instruments. Uh, they needed a red heifer. They have six red heifers now. They needed the oil of anointing. They found out where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. They have everything ready to have sacrifices. Last year, they had a sacrifice on the edge of the Temple Mount, and the usually they get arrested the year before they got arrested. This year they didn't get arrested. The Israeli police chief got saved. He said, I know they're supposed to have sacrifice, so go ahead, even on the edge. And you know, all kinds of turmoil happened because they had a sacrifice right there on the edge of the Temple Mount. Stuff's happening every week about the Temple Mount because that's where all hell's going to break loose about World War III. It's going to be right there over that piece of real estate. So you've got a group of Jewish men ready, ready to do what they're supposed to do just after the rapture. You've got Russia in Crimea. Russia on the border of the Ukraine. Russia basically threatened a UK boat this last week. Russia buzzing our ships uh, in the Dead Sea. All kinds of stuff Russia's doing that's very, very... Uh, uh, basically, their provocations is what they are. They're, they're trying to start World War III. Why? Because they're getting ready to start World War III. So they're having symptoms of that before they get there. This last week, they announced they have a new super torpedo that they can park off the coast of America that could blow up any one of our cities. They're so big. You can't, they're undetectable. So Russia's touting their military prowess because they're getting ready to attack Israel. This last, well, probably about three weeks ago, you had the leader of Iran, leader of of Russia and the leader of Turkey holding hands in a pack. I took a picture of it. I'm like, dear God, why? Because Russia, Iran, and Turkey are going to come down and attack Israel just after the rapture. That's called the Ezekiel 38 war. I know that's a lot of info, but hang with me. All the nations that are mentioned that do that war, they're all, they all hate Israel right now and want to murder Israel. The nations that aren't mentioned in that war are all making peace with Israel right now. Jordan... United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia made a peace pact with Israel. Come on. A year ago, Saudi Arabia wanted to murder every Jew. And now they have a peace pact with Israel? Why? They're not mentioned attacking Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war. 
So it's just like in a football game. When you, you go to a game, you at, the begin, at the practice part of the game, before it starts, you got, you got the kicker kicking field goals, you got the quarterback making some throws, you got them making plays. But all of a sudden, man, all of a sudden, when they line up on the 35-yard line, you know the, 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 the game's about to start. They're not warming up anymore. The, game, the, the kickoff's about to happen. You got all of the nations on the 35-yard line ready for the Ezekiel 38 war. I mean, this is a reality that Jesus is just about to come. Pretty radical. All right, you got, you got a lot more. You got men be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. <laughs> I was in California. This guy almost got hit by a car crossing the road with two selfie sticks. <laughs> you ever seen anything like that in your life? How would we ever be a part of a, of a time where I think I'll take a few more photos of myself? <laughs> Bizarre with me just a couple more minutes because I want to get to the signals. Can you, can you hang with me a couple more? Everybody okay? Everybody, everybody all right? Because I know it's a lot of, it's info overload, but let me just say this. All this information is because he loves you. He loves you. He wants you happy. He wants you strengthened. He wants you in position. And when you hear how close you are to the very end, it motivates you to get in position. And why? Because you're about to see him. You know, I would think <laughs> that if you thought the Lord was coming tomorrow, he'd be sweeter tonight. You don't act crazy when you think the Lord's about to come back. Come on, if there's drama in your life, that's selfishness. Get the drama out of your life. Don't have drama in your life right before the rapture of the church. You get to know Jesus, you get softer, you get easier to be around. There's a kindness about you. Come on, everything about Jesus, there's a softness about Him. There's no bitterness, no harshness. Everything about Him is love. Everything about Him is kindness. Everything about Him is mercy. All right, uh, Rabbi uh, uh, Iksak Kaduri. Come on, let's, let's get with him for just a minute. He's an old rabbi that was one of the chief rabbis in Israel. And I don't normally quote these guys, but Jesus appeared to him. He gets saved. And it so freaked him out, the Lord took him through and showed him the, the different uh, uh, things that he fulfilled. And he goes, wow, you're the Messiah and all that. He, before he died in 2006, he had a prophecy he wrote down that just before the coming of the Lord, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. Last year, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz began to jointly rule Israel because of COVID. He said, this is what you'd see just before the coming of the Lord. There's event after event after event in, in Syria. Listen to this one. Uh, by Palmyra. Why is Palmyra a big deal? That's where the Tower of Babel was, okay? You had Russia four weeks ago go in and rebuild the temple to Baal. See? So you have all this stuff. And the, 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 the Talmud says that's what you'll see just before the coming of the Messiah. So you got all this Jewish stuff pointing to it, all this Christian stuff pointing to it, all this bird stuff pointing to it, all this Pope stuff pointing to it. How much stuff do you need to go realize the Lord's about to come back? Come on, you had Steven Tyler, Aerosmith's lead singer, get saved? I mean, how you know it's the Lord's coming when Aerosmith's getting born again. Come on. Guess who got him saved? Uh, 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 Lenny Kravitz led him to the Lord. Evangelist Lenny Kravitz. All right, so you have sign after sign after sign after sign. All this stuff happening right now. Tangible, physical things you can see that point to the coming of the Lord. So let's skip over from, from signs for a moment, just for signals, for just a minute before we go. So what, what do you mean signals? The Bible says in Genesis that the, the stars, the heavens, the planets would be for signals. Psalm said the heavens declare the glory of God. You can actually see the whole plan of redemption in the stars. But this is pretty radical. This last few years ago, 2000. I can't even remember what the years are now. It's like almost five years now. Yet, what'd you have? Blood red moons. When? On Passover and Tabernacles. 
That's a pretty big deal. Okay, what's Passover? Passover is when he died for us. So you have blood red moons on Passover when he died for you, and a blood red moon on, on tabernacles when he's going to come back and tabernacle with men. So the heavens are going, I died for you, I'm coming back. I died for you, I'm coming back. You had four in a row in one year. What was that? It's called a tetrad. When's the last time you had four in a row in one year? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 at the Edict of Expulsion when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. So you got the heavens doing this on specific dates for Israel. Why? Because something's up. Jesus is about to come back. So God's, God's got signs in the earth, <laughs> signals in the heavens, I'm coming back. All right, if you're driving from here to Washington, D.C., and you saw the signs getting you there, once you get into D.C., you don't need signs. you got traffic signals. You're there. So, so you've got these signals, blood-red moons. All right, after that, you got the Bethlehem Star. This is a pretty big deal. What's the Bethlehem Star? Remember the Magi? They rode by camel 700 miles from Iraq all the way to Bethlehem because the heavens told them a king was going to be born. What was happening? A convergence of planets. Jupiter, king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, a mother planet. you got two king planets coming together with a mother planet. What happened? Jesus is going to be born. So those magi rode on those camels. Could you imagine a 700-mile camel ride? My buddies would go, dude, it better be the biggest light show we've ever seen in our lives. You know, if I got my buddies to ride by camel, they'd be it better be over the top. Well, they come into Bethlehem. There you go, Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus, Bethlehem star. The constellation was Virgo. This last year, NBC Nightly News, we have a celestial event. Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Wow. Pretty radical. So you got signals. There's more signals. This one's kind of crazy. We know the rapture will be on Feast of Trumpets. You can kind of tell that. I, I'll try to prove that out maybe tonight. We'll see. But it's the next feast to be fulfilled. Then you had this one that was kind of crazy, the President of the United States. When Trump was president, midway through his presidency, I believe it was January 21st of that year, that, that year, it was at the midpoint, you had a blood moon, wolf moon, super moon. When Trump was born, you had a blood moon. All right, when Trump was elected, Benjamin Netanyahu had been in office seven years, seven months, seven days. When Trump was inaugurated, he was 70 years old, seven months, seven days. Trump, was in, when he was in office, he moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem after 70 years. When you say Trump, the president and the vice president, Trump and Pence, trumpets, you're saying the coming of the Lord, Trump Pence, Feast of Trumpets. Kind of radical. Yeah, I mean, it's just Jesus coming back. Well, it gets quiet when you say that. <laughs> Woo! I mean, the, the, the gears are moving right there, man. I mean, there's so, there's so much going on. It, it's just radical. Jesus is coming back. So, so what do we do? You got signs, you got signals. What, what do we do as a church? This is the time to pull out all the stops. Whatever we need to do, let's do it. He's got some awesome things in store for us right here before we're caught up. We have a lot to do in a short period of time. I believe we're going to have an explosion of the glory of God. So there's great things ahead, and it's such a short period of time because the king's about to come back. Rejoice and be glad that the entrance of the king is at hand, the one who gave his life for you, the one who overcame death, hell, and the grave, the righteous one, the glorious one, the brightness of the glory of God, 
the entrance into the earth, he does come. So with great, great excitement, great change, great preparation, we make ready our hearts for the bidding of the Father in this hour, for souls even to be awakened uh, to come into the kingdom just before the rapture of the church. So think it not strange that there's a strength about you. Think it not strange there's a joy about you. Think it not strange that there's a witness to your life that Jesus is about to return. Everything about your life should be focusing on Jesus. Jesus returned to the earth. So let's make preparations in all of our hearts to do his bidding. So this is the big question. And this is the question that is the most important decision, action, response you will ever make. Will you be ready for the return of Jesus? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Sometimes we want to figure out everything before we actually respond. But you know, learning and growing is a process. It's one step at a time. Do you work on trying to figure out how electricity works before you flip on the light? No. You utilize what you know will benefit you. You take advantage of that. Well, our life and our very being comes from God. So if we want eternity with real life, then we need to be connected to him. So I'm asking you today to make that step by choice, not always by understanding. If you take that first step towards God and you receive his son Jesus, and then you draw close to him, he's going to give you understanding, revelation, knowledge, and that you will grow in that. But I'm asking you by choice so that you will not be left behind, that you will have eternal life with God to pray this simple prayer with me. Mean it with your heart. Pray it with your mouth. Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died for me and rose again and paid the price for my sin. Forgive me and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, then this is the beginning of your journey with God and His Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I just recommend that you get a Bible that's easy for you to read. The King James Version is a good Bible, but it has a lot of these and nows which we don't use nowadays. But the New King James Version is a little bit easier. There's also a New Living Translation. Um, There's the NIV. There's different versions. Find one that you feel comfortable understanding and spend time with God and His Word. The best place to start is in the New Testament in the book of John. You want to spend time in His Word because it is spiritual food for you. You wouldn't go days on end without eating, without expecting your body to become weak. So you also need to feed on God's spiritual food, which is his word. It's connecting to him. Spend time in prayer. Talk to God because he is listening. And if you will quiet your mind, you will hear from him through his word and through your spirit, which is now connected to him. I just want to say welcome to the family of God. And also, Keep tuning in so that you can grow in your walk with the Lord, but find a local church that preaches Jesus so that you can have a family of believers you can be connected to. God bless you.